approach to life where the focus was on my appearance, my abilities, and my accomplishments. And it's amazing how you go through life and you spend your energy on your looks. And you may spend your energy on your performance, on, on how you perform, and your great ability to be able to form. You know how we are. We go back, and see, for me, it's, let's go back in the day when I used to could do something. I can tell you about all the things and the trophies I had. And then we think about the accomplishments. You know, I've got to be important, so I've got to have certain status, so I throw the status card out there to you. You know, I realized that AAA approach that I lived in my life was exactly what you get out of a AAA battery. Not a whole lot. Nothing wrong with them in and of themselves. God's blessed you with those things. Wonderful. But I have found this. That's not who you are. What do you see when you look at yourself? What do those close to you see? Your parents, your spouse your children, your close friends. How do you appear to those who do not know you well? You know, the clerk at that grocery store that you were at lately, or that neighbor down the street, or maybe the person sitting across the aisle from you right now. This morning I have found that outside of knowing God, your right identity is the most important thing in your walk in this life. As you know, in recent past, I had a detached retina. And one of the things about that that I discovered was this. <clears throat> when you have that detached retina, it's amazing how everything around you looks cloudy. I mean, it, it's amazing. And I thought, man, I would not want to live life this way. But as I, I thought about that, I have found some things about life in general, that I have watched over the years. And that is this, that people with a cloudy view of their identity have difficulty relating well to other people. I have also discovered that people with a poor sense of identity also look to others to determine how they view themselves at a given moment. They become slaves to the opinions of others. And yet I've also seen people with a negative perception of their identity also struggle with negative expectations. They have this mindset. They expect, watch this, they expect to be rejected. They expect to be cheated on. They expect to be depreciated. Since they anticipate the worst, that is what their behavior often creates for them. So this morning, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. Amen. Here it is on the screen for you. For as he thinks within himself, so he or she is. For as he or she thinks within himself, so is he. What am I saying this morning? What we think about ourselves affects us greatly. I'm going to say that again. What we think about ourselves affects us greatly. Now here is the struggle. 
We often think to overcome our old view of ourselves, such as, I am so stupid. Or, am I ever going to learn? You ever said that? Or, I am such a loser. And I could give you scores of other incredible phrases that we say to ourselves over and over again. And you know what I find is that the people of the world tell us what you need to do is change the way you think. And they're right. We do need to change the way we think. But here's their approach. The world approaches this way concerning their identity or our identity. First thing you need to do is focus on being a positive thinker. We need to think positively. Now, I think positive thinking is not a bad thing. It beats negative thinking, amen? But it's very limited. And we go through life trying to tell ourselves positive things. And we, it's almost like that football every fall that I get that, that's deflated, and I go and get that pump, and I, what do I do? I, I pump it up so it'll be useful again. And so we're going around pumping ourselves up with this positive thinking and, and think that that is going to be the answer to my identity crisis. Or better yet, we, we don't just use positive thinking. We'll use what I call personal notoriety. By which, you know, I, it's, its focus is on accomplishments. I need to focus on uh, what, what I have accomplished in my life. And so therefore I build my life on my accomplishments so I feel better about myself because of the accomplishments of life. Or here's the biggie. I know what the answer is for my identity. I'm going to have a perfect family. Sure am. Man, I'm not going to have kids like they did. Mm-mm. No way. I'm not going to have a spouse like that. Mm-mm. I'm going to have the perfect family. And my kids are going to be perfect. How's that working for you? Amen? You see, I believe I can determine how my kids turn out. Now, I want you to think about that. I want to give somebody some relief up in here this morning. Because bless your heart, you think if you, have, you, you teach them all the right things, you train them the way they're supposed to go, and they're going to be the best kids in the world, and they're not going to do anything wrong. Oh, my. I'm going to give you a real break, parents. You cannot, you cannot determine how your kids will turn out. You must teach them, you must train them, and you must trust them over to God. Because God is the one who will work in them, who will cause them to walk uprightly. Your controlling self will not make that happen. I don't care how much you micromanage their life. I, I, listen, some of us, we're so micromanaging our children that they don't trust God, they don't trust themselves, and the more that you control them, the more they don't trust you. And so what are we creating? We're creating a bunch of children that do not trust. 
And it's the very antithesis of what God intended for us to do. You see, we need to teach them the things of God. We need to teach them the promises of God. We need to train them on how to use the Word of God, how to pray, how to live in the Word, how to fellowship, how to witness. We need to tell them how to serve and model for them all those things. But essentially, the bottom line is we must trust God with them and He will keep them where you and I cannot keep them. Listen, I learned a long time ago, I can't be with my kids every day. I can't be with my kids everywhere they go. And watch this. I can't stop them from looking at things, playing with things, doing things. I have to trust Almighty God who is able and sufficient because I am not. Now, as I look at these things, positive thinking, personal notoriety, and building a perfect family, you know what the root of all those are? Pride. Because if I can do all those things, who gets the glory? Matter of fact, I didn't do that too hard. I watched some knucklehead again yesterday celebrating on the football team, just scored a touchdown, jumped up, come down, and guess what he did? Tore his MCL. Wow. Daniel 4, it's unfortunately in that game, but I was hoping the rest of the team would have done that, and maybe we would have won. But anyway, I'll leave that alone. But, uh, but Daniel 4, 37 says, those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. I wrote a booklet not long ago. It's out there in the lobby. You can get one. It's entitled, Are You Fulfilling Your God-Given Purpose? And in that, I began with this Great search of humanity. And in essence, trying to find themselves. And I, I list several questions in this booklet. It says something like this. What do I want to be? What should I do with my life? What are my goals? What are my ambitions? What are my dreams for the future? And I share with you in this booklet this. Is that all of those questions are putting you on a self-centered path. And I'm here to tell you, as long as you're on the self-centered path, you are not going to experience the abundant, fruitful life that God has for you. Because you can never find your way in life apart from your Creator. God created you with a purpose. God created you with a plan in mind. And He tells us in His Word that I know the plans I have for you. I know the future I have for you. I know the purpose I want to fulfill in your life. And if you will turn to me and look to me, I will find you the joy that you're looking for. I'll find you the peace that you're looking for. I'll find you the acceptance that you're longing for. I'll give you the love that you're wanting. And God is saying... He is the way. Amen. Now watch this. This morning, I want us to see, to see how, this, how this works in our lives. And I, I put together a little placard here. I hope you can see it back there on the back row. Can you see it back there? Good. Uh, we have an identity, okay? Now watch this. Our identity is our view of self. Now, our view of self, watch the link how this works together, creates in us an attitude. An attitude is our view of life, which in turn gives you another link, which is our actions, which is our response to our 
attitude. Now, what we do in life is that we oftentimes build our life just like that. We are determining this is how I view myself. This is a view of life. And this is therefore what I'm going to do. Now watch this. The most important link to a healthy identity and a healthy attitude and healthy actions is missing. You can have and focus your life on building your own identity, your own self-identity, and you can have your own self-attitudes and have your own selfish actions. Okay? Now, what I want you to see here is this. That the missing link in all of this process is this. Say it with me. What is it? Very good. Now, what in the world is theology? Theology is nothing more than the study of God. That's what it is. Okay? Now, why do I bring God in this equation? Watch this. Your identity comes from your birth, not your performance. Now watch this. Every human being that's ever been born on this earth, they were born into this world as a sinner. Okay? Now, my beautiful grandbaby, bless her heart, she's a sinner. You know why I know that? I look at her daddy. That's all I got to do. That's it. Look at him. Now, he would say in response, if, if, if it's probably what he said, I don't know what he said, but he probably said, well, I get it from my daddy, right? That's what he said. I, I know him. I know him. Oh, you get it from your mama. No, I'm just teasing there. Uh, uh. No, we're all born as sinners. Amen? Amen? Now, listen, you can track it all the way back to the Garden of Eden, okay? When Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God's Word, and they sin. And everybody born after that were born with the same nature of Adam and Eve, which was a sinner. And so therefore, what do sinners do? They sin. You see, your sins don't make you a sinner. You sin because you are a sinner. Now, we're born that way. So if we're born that way, guess what? We're living amongst the people a bunch of sinners. So we got trouble. But watch this. God, the creator, had a plan. And his plan was this. To give you a new identity and where it was going to come from. Your birth, not your performance. So what does he do? He says, everyone who is born again through faith in Jesus Christ, I will give them a new nature and give them a brand new identity. And when I see them, I don't see them as the old self anymore. I see them through the eyes of Jesus Christ who is perfect in every way. And He has perfect love, perfect mercy, perfect wisdom, perfect holiness, perfect righteousness, perfect justice, everything. And so when God looks at you and I, He sees us as a brand new person who is perfect in Jesus Christ. Now that gets me excited. It ought to get you excited. Amen? And you see, I, your identity comes from your birth, not your performance. That's why, my friends, we need to know God. The number one message every preacher ought to ever preach 
Do you know God? Do you know God? Because there will be your connection to being able to understand and handle life that God intended for you to be able to handle here on this earth. God's wanting you to understand we need to know God in order to know who we are. That's where identity comes from. Now I want to give you this quote. Don't miss this. A.W. Tozer said this. What people think about God is the most important thing about them. I'm going to say that again. What people think about God is the most important thing about them. The Bible is given to us so that we would have a right understanding of who we are in relationship to Him. He created it all. So, what you think about God determines who you are, which should determine your attitude about life and influence your behavior here on this earth. You see the process? Everything starts with God. If you don't start with God, you'll have... Let's just start with our actions. Well, if I don't have God, then my actions are going to be done for the purpose of gratifying myself. My attitudes in life, my view of life, if it's all about me, then my attitude is going to be viewed in the whole spectrum of self. And therefore, it all comes from where? My identity. My identity of who I think I am and who somebody else has told me I am instead of who I really am, which is found in the theology of the study of God who created you and knows you and he wants you to see that the only way that you can find freedom is through a personal, intimate love relationship with him. Now, if you have your Bible, turn to, uh, to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43. I got it here on the screen for you. Verse 1. It says this. <coughs> Isaiah 43, verse 1. Go back. Hey, to the very beginning. Here you go, one more. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. Is there one more? Okay. All right. <clears throat> but now thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Go to the next one. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you, and verse 7 says, everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. Now, as we look at this, I want you to see something that is so important. I'm going to give you three, just three attributes of who God is and show you how that's connected with our identity and with our attitude and our actions, okay? Three quick ones, and I won't keep us long here. Number one is this. 
that first of all, God is a personal creator. God is a personal creator. Note with me in these verses, he talks about, I formed you and created you. I redeemed you. I called you. You are mine. I used to tell my daughter when she was a a wee little thing that she was daddy's girl and that she will always be daddy's girl and that she was mine. And then as the more I study scripture, the more God helped me to see that, no, she's not yours. She is really his. Now, I get the privilege of loving on her while she's here. And, and I try my best to do that. And she is, just like the scripture says about you and I, precious. Now, the word redeemed there means to pay uh, the required price to buy back something or someone sold by the original owner. Now watch this. God is our personal creator. So what should be my identity thought? My identity should be this. I am chosen. I am chosen. Now think about this. God personally created you. God personally chose you. As a new person in Jesus Christ. Now, I, this, this blows my mind. Because think about it. There's over, I guess, I don't know the latest number, over 6 billion people on the earth, right? Something like that. Now, think about this. Out of those 6 billion, God chose me. Have mercy. That's just amazing to me. Think about it. That God chose you. God chose you out of all the six billion or so on this earth. He chose you. Now, if God is a personal creator, and he is, and I am chosen, what should my attitude be? Here it is. We should walk in fearlessness. He says in this passage, do not fear. Now, why do you think he said that? Because of what he just said, that you're loved, you're redeemed, you've been chosen, you've, I formed you, I made you, you're for my glory. Do not fear. That should be, watch this, that should be our attitude. You know, they say that the, one of the number one issues with men is that they struggle with more than anything else, you ready, is anger. And you know what happens, I watch this, and, and men spend time doing some good things trying to overcome their anger. And they began to work on their anger, and I think that's wonderful. But watch this. The root issue is not their anger. You know what their problem is? Fear problem. They have a fear problem. And you see, man don't want to admit, I got a fear problem. Because if I ever say I got a fear problem, then I'm admitting what? I'm not in control. And oh, by the way, you're not. But God wants you to see that I can have confidence knowing that he personally chose me, that I can walk in, uh, uh, with an attitude of fearlessness. I don't have to fear. Matter of fact, the Bible tells, the scholars tell us there's 365 do not be afraid scriptures. That's one for every day. So that, I think God's telling us something that God's people who are walking around in fear is not, watch this, is not what God has for us. 
Amen? He wants us to walk in faith, not in fear. Because why? He chose us. Now, think about this. If God personally created us and He chose us, that means this, that He is going to protect you, that He is going to provide for you, and why it says He's going to give you purpose to live for. You know why I know that? Because that's what my Father does. You see, our God is, listen, He's promised to be our good shepherd. And our good shepherd says He will provide for His sheep. He will protect His sheep. And watch this. The Father says, I will give them purpose and meaning in life. And it's all out of this relationship that He has. He will take care and fulfill me in this life and for all eternity. Now watch this. No matter what happens to me, I am still going to belong to God. Now that's why this song is, I am a child of God. It's so important. Because that's where you get your identity. If you don't get your identity there, I promise you, you are going to be messed up in your living here on this earth. You'll always be striving. So I ask you this question, what should a Christian be afraid of? The Bible says nothing. Now you, you have something that happens in your life, something comes your way, and the normal natural response is what? Is to fear. Because why? We're all weak. We fear because we're inadequate. We fear because we don't have the resources at that point in time to fix anything. And that makes us fearful. We hate, listen, we hate not being able to take care of ourselves and those that we love around us. And I can tell you, it breaks the heart of God when we don't trust Him. Now, our action should be that we walk in faith, trusting our God. He tells us, walk by faith and not by sight. And he tells us that over and over again throughout Scripture. He is the one that personally chose you. He is the one who will protect you and provide for you and give you purpose in life. He is the one. So therefore, be confident. Trust him. He is able. Amen? Second truth is this. Is that God is not only a personal creator, but God is ever-present. God is ever-present. I love this because in life, we go through some stuff. Amen? Stuff that, that we, we make happen, stuff that other people make happen, stuff that just happens. And it's going to come. It's, listen, all of us are going to be touched by it in life. I mean, you, you heard Wednesday night and Christy sharing her testimony. I, I mean, to tell you, it, 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 it shook us to the core. And, and, and I, I'm, I want you to know that, listen, just because you walk with God, some people have this idea, because you walk with God, you're not going to go through trials. You're not going to go through suffering. You're not going to go through difficulties. My friends, let me just tell you, that's a bunch of hogwash. I know the most spiritual man in the Bible was the Apostle Paul, and he has a whole chapter of things that he went through. Amen? Now, so I, I want to encourage you, don't think it's strange when you encounter various trials because they're going to come. You either uh, are in one right now or sooner or later you're going to be going through one. Okay? That's just a fact of life. But listen, we don't have to fear. Because why? God is ever-present. And if God is ever-present, that means He's there to be our what? Our helper. 
Now look what he says in Isaiah 43, verse 2. He says, when you pass through the waters, here's this phrase. It's all through the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. I will be with you. Now look what he shares. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Why don't you think about that? We get this phone call from my son, and I'm here to tell you, my wife and I were just shot and ripped to the core. And I want you to know, we did some crying out to the Lord because we knew he was present. We couldn't be there where he was at that point in time, but my wife was showing up getting there quick. And I want you to know, I realized through that process that my ever-present God, though I wasn't there, was right there. And he saved her life. What he's saying in Isaiah here is this. God will be your protector. He will regulate the thermostat of your trials. He will control the tsunamis of your life. And they come. It will be too much for you, but it won't be too much for the ever-present God who is with you. So knowing that God is ever-present, my identity thought should be this. I am competent. I am competent. Wow. The very thing that we hate is called powerlessness. We hate it. We fight against it. But God says, because of the ever-present God who is with you, He, He will make you competent. Now watch this. Knowing that I have Him with me, that tells me this. I have enough. I have enough. See, some of us don't believe that. Some of us believe that I need God and. And I want you to know that I've experienced this personally, and I know that the Word of God teaches this, that God is more than enough, and if He tells me that I am competent in Him, then I have enough. So here's the question that I want to propose before us this morning is this. What does God do to apply this to my life? How is He going to make this relevant to you? How is He going to make this applicable to your life and my life? Watch this. He allows hardships to come our way. Now, why would a loving God do that? Now, why would a loving God, that's all-powerful, do that? You ready? To show us 
how strong He can be in us who trust Him. You see, our sinful desire, a matter of fact, our strong inclination is toward independence. Can I get an amen? We think we can make it on our own and we want to prove it is true. We have this mantra, I will make it. I mean, we've got a TV show, a reality show called Survivors for this very thing. Man, if I have to eat a cockroach, hey, I will make it. And my wife says, I can't believe that. I will sleep in slop, half naked if I have to. Because why? I am a survivor. And you watch him as he go through the show, and I don't even watch the show. I've just seen clips of it, clips of it. One after another after another. In time, what happens? They gone. Uh, what happened? They didn't survive. And so therefore, they're no longer what? A survivor. Now, fact is, fact is, and I'm going to say it again, fact is, we are all very weak. Human strength is an illusion. God lovingly uses hardships and painful circumstances to teach us how badly we need Him. Church, when you face a trial that comes your way, and let, how do you know when you're going through a test, when you're going through a trial? You know how you know? You feel something. You feel distressed. You feel frustrated. You feel street language ticked off. Uh-oh, red flag. I'm going through a trial. And our natural tendency is to do what? Buck up. I'm going to be strong here. I can handle this. I'm going to fix this. By God, I can do it. And God just takes the thermostat, turns it up a little more, turns it up a little more, and turns it up a little more until finally something happens called this. God... I surrender. And you know, on the battlefield, they tell you, hold up the red flag, or the white flag, I surrender. Man, I feel like a loser. But you know, in God's economy, when you throw up the right white flag, you become a winner. You're a winner. You're a winner. You see, when I am willing to admit I am weak, then Christ can come and show you how strong He can be in you. Only when God shows me how weak I am do I reach for Him like a drowning man. In Scripture, in scripture is a paradox. On one hand, Jesus said this in John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And then he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh-oh. Now, does that mean I can do nothing? Well, a lot of people are doing a lot of things. So that doesn't mean that, evidently. What he's talking about in that context, you will never do nothing of spiritual significance if you don't stay connected to him. Now watch this. Paul, on the other hand, says this. 
Jesus, apart from me, you can do nothing. Then Paul comes along and says, listen, I've had some severe trials in my life. I was homeless. I, I, I didn't have anything. Man, and then on the other hand, times in my life, man, I had abundance. And man, things were wonderful. And I, I learned to be content whether I was a base or a bound. And I've learned the secret to life, whether I have a lot or whether I have nothing, whether things are going great or whether things are going badly. I've learned the secret on how to be content in whatever circumstance I am in life. Here it is. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As I shared earlier about the AAA of my life, building my life on those things, and what I've, what I've come to realize in this verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is like God speaking through his megaphone to me. It's like, Alvin, I want you to exchange your triple battery strength for a nuclear power that I have to offer to you. That's what he's saying. That's what he's crying out to his children for. He's trying to help us to see. In Christ, we are strengthened. When you are connected to Christ, he's going to strengthen you as you go through that trial, as you go through the fire of life, as you go through the river and the tsunamis of your life. Good news, church. The ever-present God is with you. He will strengthen you. He will uphold you. He will be over you, around you, and under you. You can trust him. What should my attitude be? My attitude should be this. I can overcome. I can overcome. Listen, my friend, you can overcome. Why? Because the Bible says we are overcomers. We are overcomers. Listen to this verse in Romans chapter 5. I got it for you in Traces. We can rejoice too. When we run into problems and trials, why? For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Oh church, hear my heart this morning. God is present with you. He is giving you the strength you need to persevere. And you are not going under. You're not going under. No way. Because He's under you. He's upholding you. Because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you are an overcomer in a world of quitters. And the action that God has called us to is to never, 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 never give up. Never give up. Third is this, my last point. God is loving. God is a personal creator. God is an ever-present help. But God is loving. I love this word in, in Isaiah 43, 4. It says, since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you. Now I can tell you when I look at that, when God sees you as his child, this is how he sees you. You know, in Psalms 139, the Bible tells us what God thinks about us all day long. You know how God thinks about you all day long? Listen to this, child of God. He has precious thoughts towards you all day long. Here he says in Isaiah, 
that you personally, you, Shelby, are precious to me. This is God, Almighty God. And I, I, I've honored you. I loved you. And I want you to see yourself that way because that's how I see you. If I see you this way, you have got to start seeing yourself this way. You are honored. You are loved. How could he? This word honor is a beautiful word because it has with the idea of helping us to see that we're, there's something precious. You know, over in the Eastern culture, you find that they, they often bow down in honor of whoever it is may be in their culture. That's of significance in their life. Now, I, I believe in honoring. I, I taught my kids early on that, you know, one of the things that I wanted us to do is to honor one another. That was one of our principles that, that we were going to have in our home. And so, inevitably, I see my wife coming in, and I have my kids together, and I see her coming in. I said, okay, let's all run to the door, and we'll get in front of the door. When she opens the door, we're going to all be on our knees. And when she comes in the door, we're going to honor her and say, oh, what a blessing it is to see you. We love you, honey. We're so glad to see you. And she looks at us like, what are y'all doing? Now, why do I do that? Why have I done that? I'll tell you why. Because that's how God sees me. And I want my kids to see themselves that way. And I want them to do the same thing to those people in this family and in the family to come. God sees you as precious. You're honored and you're loved. you got to believe that. I know some of you are saying, how could he? Maybe you're saying... I have done so many things, I can't even talk about it. My counsel to you, my friends, is this. Let go of the things that have distorted your view of who you are and cling to what God's Word says about you. You need to embrace the message, Almighty God. Listen, He is singing over your life on a regular basis. He's eh, and, and understand, He's saying, you are precious to me. You're honored to me. You're loved by me. And we need to, watch this, ask the Holy Spirit of God to erase all the stinking, stink, stinking thinking your behavior and your pride have engraved upon your mind. God is loving. Therefore, my identity thought is this. I am valued. You're valued. When God sees you, he sees value. Value. You see, I am valued, then I become valuable. And don't miss the order. God does not love me because I'm valuable. God does not love me because I'm valuable. There's nothing in us that makes us valuable. The fact is that God values us speaks volumes about God. It says nothing about us. Remember, when you rightly think about God, you can think rightly about yourself. Hear me. God did not set His love upon you because you have something going on in your life that your next door neighbor doesn't have going on. You see, watch this. We are not valuable in and of ourselves. And believe it or not, that is great news. If God loves us because of something He sees in us, then what happens when we change? What happens when we fail? What happens as I'm seeing this more and more as I get older, fading away? What happens when we fall? 
God's love change? Of course it doesn't. We are not valuable. We are valued. Get the difference. Matter of fact, let me give you this point. In 1996, there was an incredible auction that took place. And the auction was John F. Kennedy's house. And the stuff was in there. Jackie Onassis, her stuff, so on and so forth. There happened to be a walnut tobacco cigar humidor of John F. Kennedy's that he received as a gift from Milton Berle. Now, it was up for auction. This little small cigar box, okay? Think about this. Now, knowing it was John F. Kennedy's, I'm sure somebody in here would probably pay a couple thousand dollars, even if you're not a cigar smoker. Just because why? It's a part of history, right? A couple thousand dollars, hey, it's still a lot. I wouldn't pay that, but anyway, maybe you will. You know how much this little cigar box went for? You ready? $574,000. I went online to try to find one so I could sell one. But here's the point that God showed me here. Think that cigar box was valued not because of any intrinsic value, but because of what? Its owner. It's the same way with us. We are fading. We are chipped. We are tarnished tobacco box. But hear hear me, my friend. We belong to God. Therefore, my value is not based upon who I am, but whose I am. I belong to God Almighty, the Eternal One, and His love isn't to fade away. My theology needs to understand God is loving. My identity thought is I am valued. And watch this, my attitude concerning that is this. I can live secure. I can live secure. Now watch this. If I didn't earn His love, if I didn't pay for his love, if I didn't deserve his love, then get this, I am not the one who is to keep it going on. I am secure because that's his job. My action then, knowing that I'm valued, should make me be valuable to God by loving one another just like Christ loves me. I close with this. Are you building your life on the solid rock of His love for you? He loves you. He's crazy about you. He wants a relationship with you. And listen, your anger and your misunderstanding and your not understanding, listen, it don't limit God from loving you. He keeps loving you because why? He knows we're all but dust. We're all Mr. Mark. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we had no hope. Christians, let us build our lives on the bedrock of of a loving God who says we are valued by Him. That way, no matter how much change is crashing and burning around us, we can rest in the security of a loving God who says, I am the Lord, I do not change. In a world where everything's changing, isn't it nice to be secure to something 
that doesn't change? God's not fickle about his love. He doesn't wake up in the morning with a feeling, I don't feel too good. I ain't loving Robert today. I don't feel too good. Willie's gotten on my last nerve today. God doesn't see us that way. His thoughts towards us continuously are precious, are honorable, are loving. He doesn't change whom He's chosen. The ones whom He loves, my friends, that is security. So the most important question today is a question I started with, and here it is. Do you know God? You know God. This is a view of God, theology. Your identity has a view of yourself. Your attitude is a view of life. And your actions are a view of your response to the attitude that your identity and your relationship of knowing who God is is all about. So I want to ask you this morning, do you know God? It changes everything. It's the game changer. Look at this verse and I'll shut up. Jesus said this, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The only way you can know God is through one person. His name is Jesus Christ. I didn't say that. Jesus himself said it. Because he was the son of God. He said this. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man or woman comes before the father. Except through me. Do you know him today? Christian. Are you, spend, are you living your life. With a new identity in Christ. And what he's done. I beseech you with everything I've got. Come. Come to know him today. Let go of those, those things that are controlling your mind and controlling your heart that are not in line with who you are in Him. If you don't know Christ today, come and let us introduce you to the one who will change your life and change your whole new identity. Amen? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you and praise you. Let your Holy Spirit move now, God. Change us to be the men and women you want us to be. For that person, Lord, that needs you, I pray that this will be the day of their salvation. For that Christian Lord that's struggling and have forgotten their new identity in you, let this be a brand new day that they come and say, you know, I'm going to quit fighting you, God, and I'm going to simply trust you. I'm not going to live in fear anymore. I'm going to live as a child of God, knowing that you have fulfilled the protection I need, the provision I need, and the purpose that you created me for. And it's all wrapped up in one person, Jesus Christ. Have your way, God. May your Holy Spirit move. May this altar call be like none other because you have altered their life. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You come as God leads us all stand.
may be seated. Ms. Dixon, come on up here, please. Amen. Today, Ms. Margie Dixon has come to join with us here at Freedom. Give her a hand. Amen. She's like my adopted mother. She's been uh, a part of a uh, Pineview Baptist Church for 57 years. And for her to come here is absolutely amazing. But let me just share with you one of the things that excited her about this church. The young people. And that excited me. Because that's what it's all about. Amen? And it excites me that our older saints can get excited about the younger folks. When a lot of times... The older folks are getting frustrated with the younger folks. Amen? <laughs> so this is so refreshing. It's so exciting. And I am so delighted to have her. This is Jody's mom, by the way. Uh, come on up here, Jody. You can stand here with her. At the end of the service, which is, is ending right now, as Scotty's going to dismiss us with a word of prayer, you come by here and hug on her. Uh, be gentle with her. She's fragile. <laughs> Handle her with care and love. And All right? Because I will get after you if you don't, okay? <laughs> Scotty, if you would, please.